Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to It Could Happen Here, a podcast about things falling apart and what you can do about it. My name is Christopher Wong, and today I'm going to be talking about sabotage. But this is not the episode on sabotage that you expect. I will not be discussing, for example, the destruction of machinery throwing monkey wrenches, slowdown strikes, or the myriad of other tactics that workers have used since time immemorial to strike back at their bosses. No, instead, I'm going to be talking about a far more common and infinitely more dangerous form of sabotage. Corporate sabotage. Now, the most conspicuous form of corporate sabotage is the mass destruction of a corporation's own products. The fashion company Burberry, for example, destroyed $370 million of its own product in one year alone. Louis Vuitton and Chanel also systematically destroy their unsold stock every year, joining H&M and literally lighting their unsold products on fire in order to prevent anyone from using them. Quote Business Insider, Richemont, the owner of Cadillac Montblanc, destroyed more than 400 million pounds of watches over a two-year period after an excess in goods in the Asian markets. 
Nike has also admitted that a New York store slashed unsold trainers before throwing them away. And last year, an Urban Outfitters employee said he was instructed to pour green paint on the unsold stock. These, of course, are only the stories that have made it into the press. And this behavior is by no means limited to high fashion. Grocery stores routinely throw away enormous quantities of unsold goods. And when communities realized they could feed people in need by taking the still good products from grocery store dumpsters, the stories began to destroy the food intentionally. But these acts of destruction, as callous and horrifically greedy as they are, are by no means the extent of corporate sabotage. To explain, I turn to the work of the economist Thorsten Veblen. Veblen is perhaps best known today for the theory of conspicuous consumption, but he wrote extensively on corporate sabotage. In the first part of The Engineers and the Price System, a work that has been broadly ignored even by his followers, Veblen wrote a section called On the Nature and Uses of Sabotage. From that work, writers and speakers who dilate on the militarious exploits of the nation's businessmen will not commonly allude to this voluminous running administration of sabotage, this conscientious withdrawal of efficiency that goes into their ordinary day's work. We are not used to thinking of the ordinary work of a corporation being sabotage. But for Veblen, there was no other explanation for what he was seeing. In the wake of World War I, there was an enormous explosion in unemployment, an enormous need on behalf of the population. But even as the unemployed begged to be let in to create the products that could fill the needs of their fellow humans, business owners steadfastly refused to open their factories. As Veblen explained, but for reasons of business expediency, it is impossible to let these idle plants and idle workmen go to work. That is to say, for reasons of insufficient profit to the businessmen interested, or, in other words, for reasons of insufficient income to the vested interests which control the staple industries and so regulate the output of product. Feblin was not alone in observing these or similar conditions. John Maynard Keynes, writing during the Depression, observed nearly precisely the same thing. For Keynes, the solution simply was to have the government step in to increase demand. But for Veblen, this missed the core of the problem. The real problem was that a core of absentee owners had the ability to shut down the factories in the first place by simple virtue of their ownership. This, Veblen argued, was simply sabotage, no different from the hated strikes of the IWW that so racked and perturbed the capitalist ruling class of his time. At least the workers could argue that they were simply fighting for a better share of what they'd created. The absentee owners, on the other hand, who had no actual involvement in the production process whatsoever, simply carried out sabotage on an enormous scale in order to secure their own returns. And this was true even in times that weren't marked by massive depressions. In order to make payments to capitalists, Veblen argued, who expect a certain rate of return on their investment, corporations must maintain prices at such a level that they can meet their returns, and the only way they can do this is sabotage. For the good of business, it is necessary to curtail production of the means of life, on pain of unprofitable prices, at the same time that the increasing need of all sorts of necessities of life must be met in some passable fashion, on pain of popular disturbances, as will always come of popular distress when they pass the limit of tolerance. This sabotage, Veblen argued, was simply a product of the price system. Any production that was too efficient would simply and inevitably be sabotaged for private gain, because in order to maintain prices that would maintain the returns of investors, it was necessary to ensure that production never became too efficient to produce too many goods. 
Veblen used as his example the 20th century post office, but we could just as easily point to Trump sabotaging the post office in 2020 in a dual bid to privatize the service by causing it to collapse and prevent mail-in votes from being counted as part of his attempt to win the 2020 election. In their book Capital as Power, economists Shimshon Bickler and Jonathan Neitzen take Veblen's argument and expand on it, noting that capitalism, far from encouraging productivity writ large, makes things inefficient on purpose. They use the example of public transportation, which is, by essentially any measure, a significantly more efficient way of moving people around the U.S. As an example, in the U.S. in the 1940s, 100 electric rail lines were bought up and destroyed by car companies. Those same companies likewise twice destroyed incredibly efficient and popular electric cars, once in the 1930s and again in the 1980s, because the profit rate was lower than that of gas cars. They then set out to cause everyone to forget that they'd actually done this until Elon Musk figured out a way to sell electric cars that was profitable, namely by selling himself as a brand and not the cars themselves. Now, if capitalism was simply destroying its own products in order to create Elon Musk's, you could argue that the system at least produced advancements before it stopped them. But the most violent forms of sabotage are reserved for productive systems that are simultaneously efficient and outside of capitalist control altogether. Perhaps the best-known example of this is the East British East India Company's deindustrialization of the Indian textile industry. Not to be outmatched by their British forebearers, American settlers and their allies in the American military exterminated the buffalo herds of the Great Plains in an attempt to starve out the indigenous tribes that lived there. In doing so, they destroyed an enormously productive and sustainable agricultural system. They did so precisely because the system was efficient. So efficient, in fact, that it allowed indigenous tribes to repeatedly defeat the American army in defense of their lands. We are used to thinking of capitalism as a system of production, but here, amidst the fields of buffalo corpses, is something else entirely. Capitalism appearing in its true form, a system of organized sabotage. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. 
When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. To fully untangle what this means, let us return to Veblen. Veblen divided capitalism into two separate processes. The first he called industry. Industry, Veblen argued, has existed long before capitalism and will continue to exist long after it. As Bickler and Nietzsche put it, quote, When considered in isolation from contemporary business institutions, the principal goal of industry, its raison d'etre according to Veblen, is the efficient production of quality goods and services for the betterment of human life. Industry is an inherently collective undertaking. Its basis is cooperation and integration, the creation of communal knowledge that allows production and scientific advance to occur, and coordination and cooperation between people to create things for each other. Left to its own devices, industry would simply produce goods for people. It has no concern for profitability, rates of returns, or capitalization. Unfortunately, capitalism is defined by private ownership. This is what Veblen calls business. Business is a system of power that extracts wealth from industry by means of sabotage. Production to serve human need, the basis of industry, is useless to business unless it can be turned into a revenue stream. It does this by taking control of industry and its products and then restricting access to it. Bickler and Nietzsche put it, The most important feature of private ownership is not that it enables those who own, but that it disables those who do not. Technically, anyone can get in someone else's car and drive away, or give an order to sell all of Warren Buffett's shares in Berkshire Hathaway. The purpose of private ownership is wholly and only an institution of exclusion, and institutional exclusion is a matter of organized power. As we can see from the genocide on the plains, this power is no abstract force. Veblen tends to focus on the power of absentee owners to stop production, and for good reason. But business stands in the way of industry, in more immediate ways too. After all, the purpose of cooperative industry is to make goods to improve our lives. And yet in between us and the proceeds that industry creates to serve our needs, there is a cash register and a cop. Even the creators of a Louis Vuitton bag, or for that matter, a tomato, have no claim on it once business takes over, and business would rather destroy it than see it fall into their hands. The famous Russian anarchist theorist Peter Kropotkin was writing along similar lines to Veblen just a few years before. Veblen, it seems, had been exposed to anarchist ideas through his association with the industrial workers of the world. 
In the early 1900s, it was not altogether unusual for economists to move in radical circles. The great Italian economist Piero Serafa smuggled pens and papers to Antonio Gramsci, while Gramsci, the head of the Italian Communist Party, was a prisoner of the Italian fascist regime. Serafa would later extract the writings that Gramsci had written in prison, unleashing Gramsci's prison notebooks onto the world. But Veblen was unique even among these economists for the extent that he incorporated radical theories directly into his work, as you've seen with his adoption of sabotage as a way of thinking about capitalism. This led Veblen to call the end of the system of what he described as vested interests in absentee owners. Veblen's solution, however, which he described as a, quote, Soviet of technicians that would manage production for all society, leaves a lot to be desired for. So let us return to the source. Here's Kropotkin in The Conquest of Bread. The mines, though they represent the labor of several generations and derive their sole value from the requirements of the industry of a nation and the density of the population, the mines also belong to the few, and these few restrict the output of coal or prevent it entirely, if they find more profitable investments for their capital. Machinery, too, has become the exclusive property of the few, and even when a machine incontestably represents an improvement, added to the original rough invention by three or four generations of workers, it nonetheless belongs to a few owners. And if the descendants of the very inventor who constructed the first machine for lace building a century ago, were to present themselves today at a lace factory in Bale or Nottingham and demand their rights, they would be told, hands off, this machine is not yours, and they would be shot down if they attempted to take possession of it. Here we see the competition between two different kinds of rights. On the one hand, the right of industry, the right of creativity. The right of those who produce and care for each other, to be able to determine where the proceeds of their labor go. From industry's point of view, this is to each other, to those in need, and to society as a whole. On the other hand, there is the right of property, the right of men with guns to throw oysters into the ocean because it's not profitable for anyone to eat them. Capitalism has developed a myriad of iterations of precisely the same principle, and the world is now infested by them. Patent trolls haunt the already fraught waters of intellectual property, buying up patents for cheap, or on rare occasions creating something themselves, for the sole purpose of preventing anyone else from using it, making money by suing anyone who dares try. Large corporations, of course, do precisely the same thing. See, for example, Disney's war on the concept of anything, anything at all, falling into the public domain. This sabotage, and on this, all four of our interlocutors, Veblen, Kropotkin, Clear and Nietzsche agree, as long as private ownership exists. Because sabotage is all private ownership really is. But it is not simply enough to answer corporate sabotage with their own sabotage. As Veblen pointed out, this is simply the ordinary state of affairs under capitalism. For Kropotkin, the answer was simple. This rich endowment, painfully won, builded, fashioned, or invented by our ancestors, must become common property so that the collective interest of men may gain from it the greatest good for all. There must be expropriation, the well-being of all, the end. Expropriation, the means. How precisely to go about doing such a thing has been the subject of endless debate for nearly 200 years, and I am not arrogant enough to propose to solve the problem here. 
But a system where a company can prevent even the U.S. government from attempting to produce ventilators by simply buying up the company that won the contract and refusing to fill the order to maintain the value of the ventilators it was already producing is a system based on nothing less than ensuring that people will die for a 5% rate of return. If we are to have any hope of stopping the ravages that climate change promises for our future, we cannot afford to be sabotaged at every step. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.